Well, good morning. We are thankful for the good crowd that is gathered here. It is a beautiful Lord's Day, a beautiful day outside, and we're thankful that you have chosen to be here this morning. We've got lots of our members who are here. We've got several members who are gone as well. About half of us were able to return home yesterday from last leaders, and uh, even Charles has been going from Nashville since like 5.30 this morning, so we're glad of the, those that were able to be back, but uh, we wish the others safe travel as they come home here in the next few moments as they'll be traveling back. But especially to our visitors, we're thankful you've come our way. Some of you are just visiting family. We're thankful. Some of you we've seen before. We're glad that you're here. Some of you may be visiting for the first time. Maybe you're looking for a church home. And we want you to know that you're always welcome here, not only this morning and at any time we have Bible class on Sunday morning in our worship hour, but at any time that we're assembling together, we'll be meeting together again this evening at 6 o'clock to worship again. If you've got your bulletin in front of you, you'll notice that we're going to be talking about the book of Numbers this evening and sort of a general overview. But while our worship is the most important thing to God, we really would love for you to be back this evening as we take a moment to honor our young people. We did have a very, a very good weekend. We preached to our children that the importance of last leaders and the things they're doing. We preached to our children the importance of it doesn't really matter about the trophies or awards you get. It's about putting the time and the effort into it. And fortunately, they were able to do both. We were able to have some success on things, and we'd love to share that with you and for you to take a moment to honor them this evening. If you can't be back with us tonight, be back with us on Wednesday evening as we have our Bible classes and study again together. There's so many good and wonderful things that are going on with the family at Saudi here, and we would love for you to be a part of that. And we're thankful that you have come our way, especially this morning as we worship God together for just a few moments. It was just over about 850 years ago that King Louis VII and Pope Alexander III gathered on the small natural island in the middle of the Seine River that's known as the Ile de la Cite. And there they assembled together in order to watch the first cornerstone be laid of a great piece of history. It's famously known as one of the finest examples of French Gothic architecture that was ever created. It was home to the coronation of King Henry VI, Napoleon Bonaparte was actually made emperor there. Joan of Arc was beatified in this wonderful and beautiful building. All of these things occurred in that great structure. But it really wasn't until about 650 years later from its beginning that it really became known when Victor Hugo decided to write a book about it, which then became a movie, which then became a Disney movie, in which the world began to learn about and become so familiar with Notre Dame, or Notre Dame de Paris, depending on where you're from and how you pronounce it. And of course, all eyes turned again this last week to this building, to this structure as it burned in front of our very eyes. And the world got a stark reminder, if you will, of the nature of the things of this earth. No matter its beauty, no matter how many people have visited, no matter how many people love and appreciate it, no matter its status, how quickly something of this earth that we consider so wonderful and so beautiful can be taken from us or struck down, can be torn apart within just a moment's notice, just a, a change of the channel or a, a flip of the internet page or our phone, and we can find out that something that, that was so wonderful is being torn apart. That's the way that structures tend to work in this life sometimes. 
If you've ever been to part somewhere where, where something maybe burned to the ground in this type of sense, where something was on fire, you, you know how quickly that something can change when it comes to the structures, the buildings, the things that we are a part of in this world, the things that we reside in and live in or, or participate in. When we think about the things, the different structures of this life, we notice many times how, how simple they can be. If you think about living in a tent, it, it doesn't take very long sometimes. It, it doesn't take very much to, to put up a tent to live in. Very simple structure. Or maybe even you think about the idea of a mansion. What we would call a mansion with many rooms and, and many different places in it. All of these things are just simply structures or, or buildings that we live in. But they can mean many different things to many different people depending on which one you live in or maybe somewhere in between or something that even was built, even something like a great cathedral that so many people love and appreciate. Unfortunately, it often takes tragedy for us. It often takes tragedy for us to appreciate the things in this life. And that tragedy can often lead us to become all too aware that the things of this life are temporary. The things of this world are temporary. That's not a new idea, of course. And what we want to do this morning is take a look at, at a passage from the Bible to take a look at one of the letters from the Apostle Paul to those in Corinth. And actually, it's the second letter that we want to look at this morning. And we want to notice how he informs us of two types of houses or two types of homes. We love our homes. They're ours, whether it's a tent, and of course many of us don't live in a tent, but, but something like that, or something like a mansion, or for many of us, again, somewhere in between, we love our home. And Paul kind of talks about this idea, and we want to think about that this morning as we begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 1 through 10. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10, and we want to take a moment and read this because we're going to come back and look at the way that Paul describes these two homes or types of houses. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse number 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. As you look at this passage, you notice that there are a lot of connections. There are a lot of things that bring this passage together, a lot of fours and a lot of therefores. And we want to notice those things this morning as we think about these two types of houses, if you will. The first one that Paul talks about is our earthly house. Our earthly house is described as being a tent. We are troubled in this life. 
We're reminded, of course, in Job 14, Job 14 and verse number one, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Life is hard sometimes, and I don't have to tell many of you that. As I look around the room, I can see, knowing many of you very well, the many different sorrows and troubles that are facing the people in this room. Already I stop and talk to maybe even almost 10 I could count up who said, I'm here, but you know, it's a little bit of a difficult morning. I had a little bit of trouble because of whatever it was, whatever illness it is, whatever sickness it is, but I, I'm here because life is hard. The number of things we face in this life sometimes seem to tear us down. It seem, they seem to burden us, whether it's a, a great sickness whether it's a, a sick family member, whether it's the stress or the anxiety or the sorrow or the trouble that we face, whether it's financial, whether it's relationship, whatever it may be, life is hard. But the one message that Paul preaches constantly, besides the fact that life is hard, is that it's temporary. Kind of like the dwelling of a tent. It's temporary. Notice the comparison that he uses here of our earthly house being a tent. But that's not the only place. If you have your Bible, go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 in verses 13 and 14 because Peter uses a similar language. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14. Peter says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, Peter says, as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you when we think about these dwelling places when we think about these houses go back to our picture that we had just a moment ago of a of a tent and a mansion which one of those things is going to be able to withstand the trouble which one of those things is going to be able to withstand the wind and the rain and the storms of life that come our way when we think about a tent we know that it cannot hold up to a mansion, or even a house like many of us live in when the storms of life come. But our earthly house is a tent. Think about from a Jewish perspective. From a Jewish perspective, of course, the, the correlation was to the tabernacle. As majestic as the tabernacle was, we've talked about that a lot, especially with our young people recently with the book of Exodus. But as majestic and beautiful, the acacia wood, the gold, all the things that went into the, the bronze that went into the tabernacle, as beautiful as it was, it was temporary. It was movable. It wasn't going to stay in one spot because it was not going to be the permanent place. Part of the main idea of this section here in 2 Corinthians is temporary. Go back to chapter 5 and actually chapter 4 and verse number 18. Paul says there, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This, this section connected here, and we know and understand, of course, the idea that the Bible that we have in front of us, it's been broken down, of course, by man. Man has gone in and put chapter 4, chapter 5, verse 1. And so we look at it and it doesn't always connect maybe with the same way that we read it. And so chapter 4 in the end connects with chapter 5. And Paul is talking in this whole section about things that are temporary. Kind of like a tent. 
He says, and he makes the application there in chapter 5 again, verses 6 and 8 in that section here of this idea that if we are home in the body, notice the two sections. If we are home in the body, then we are absent from the Lord. To be home in the body to be, is to be absent from the Lord. Again, if you have your Bibles, notice Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 and verses 23 through 24. Because Paul continues this idea, he continues to promote this type of thought. Philippians 1, 23, where he says, For I am hard-pressed, I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to be with you, or excuse me, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul here is talking about this idea that he's, he's torn of where he wants to be. This dilemma of being in the body, but to be in the body is to be absent from the Lord. And he says, I'm hard pressed. I don't know which place that I would rather be because I want to be with the Lord. But I know it's more needful for you that I be with you. I can only imagine the Apostle Paul, it wasn't written yet. The words that we know so well weren't there for him, but I could just imagine feeling his ribs, beaten, kicked, laying in prison, singing, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. The things of this life are temporary. Paul knew that it was hard. Listen to the words if you go back to 2 Corinthians chapters 4 and 5. Notice first of all in chapter 4 and verse number 8, he says, We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Notice verse 16. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Notice chapter 5 and verse number 2. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. Notice verse 4. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened. Our earthly house, this temporary tent, Paul says we groan and we are burdened. We are hard pressed. We are perplexed. We are struck down. We are perishing. Life is hard. But life is also temporary. Just like a tent is put up and within a few moments can be taken down even by, either, either by ourselves or by some type of storm. It's temporary. And we have to remember that when it comes to the things that we face in this life because they are numerous and they are hard. We groan and we are burdened by things, but it is temporary. And as we said, the connection here that Paul makes or the connection and even the contrast that he draws using these words for and therefore remind us of this. So beginning in chapter 5, in verse number 1, he makes this connection. Because of these things that are temporary... Because of these things that are seen, which are difficult, he said, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God. The second house that Paul talks about is our eternal house. Our eternal house is from God. And so he makes this connection between the temporary and the eternal. Notice in chapter four in verse number one, he says, therefore... Therefore, because of these things, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, notice we do not lose heart. 
But Paul was good at saying things multiple times. He wanted to make sure we got the message. Notice in verse number 16 again of chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Life is hard, but life is temporary. And through all the things that we face, we do not lose heart. And then he begins to make these statements. We want to notice three things. The first one is not in your outline, if you have it. But the first thing is because we have a building from God. Excuse me, we have a building from God. Notice in verse number two there he says, For we earnestly desire to be clothed with it. We earnestly desire to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. First of all, we do not lose heart because we have a building from God. If you think about buildings that are made, a lot of times when you step into a building, especially maybe a house, you would like to know who built it. You would like to know exactly what went into it. You might know some people that you'd say, well, I wouldn't want to step into anything that they built because I wouldn't trust that it's going to continue to stand. We have an eternal house. We have a building and it is from God, not made with hands. And we should desire to be clothed with it. We do not lose heart because we have a building from God. But number two, we have a guarantee. We have a down payment. Again, for all you adults in the room, I don't have to talk about buying a house or selling a house, the down payment that it takes when it comes to financials. But notice in verse number five, we do not lose heart because we have a down payment. Paul says in verse number five, now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the spirit in the New King James, as a guarantee or as a down payment. If you have your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 1, where again, Paul talks about this down payment, this guarantee, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Paul says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were, and notice the language here, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee, the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We have a down payment. The abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the down payment that we can recognize that what is coming, the inheritance that is coming, we know because of the guarantee, the down payment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The abiding presence of the Spirit does that for us. We do not lose heart because we have a building from God, but we also have the down payment, the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, we can have confidence. We do not lose heart, Paul says in verses 6 and 8 of 2 Corinthians 5, because we are confident or because we have courage. Again, depending on the version that you may have in front of you. He says, so we are always confident. Same thing in verse number eight. We are confident. We're confident because of the hope of the resurrection. You know, this morning, many people all over the world are in church buildings to, to honor the resurrection. And we certainly want to do that, to think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because we've made the point before. It's great that he came to this earth. It's great that he lived a perfect life. It's great that he died on the cross. But we would have a problem if he didn't rise again. That's the promise of the Bible. We're, we're thankful for all the things that he did and his death on the cross, but, but he said he would rise again, and he did. And we can, too, be resurrected 
And we have confidence because of the resurrection of Christ. We have hope too that we can be resurrected, that we can put off the tent and we can put on the eternal house, the one from God, the building not made with hands. Again, notice the comparison, not to the tent, but to something greater, something bigger. Again, in our earthly minds, we connect from a tent maybe to something like a mansion. And we know the Bible uses that type of language. But notice the comparison here to the not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And I would point you again to Peter. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 4. Because Peter again continues this thought. When he says that we will be resurrected, just as Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, we will go to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you you know almost all of us would love to have an inheritance of you know 10 million dollars or any number that we could think of in in the millions of dollars but even then it's not going to last even then it'll fade away especially if the lord were to return peter uses the example as paul does of an inheritance that is incorruptible that is undefiled, that does not fade away. That's what we're looking for. That's the comparison. And again, notice what Paul says. The first time he said, if we are in the body, we are absent from the Lord. But he also talks about that if we are absent from the body, we are with the Lord. This is to be home. When we talk about home sweet home, this is what we're talking about. But we will never be home until we're with Jesus. Until we have that eternal home. Just like being in a tent. We'll never be home. Maybe some of you are tent campers. And you enjoy that. You enjoy going out and and, and camping in the woods. Or the campsite. And you have that tent. But it's not home. It's temporary. It doesn't have all the luxuries. All the great things of our home. And just like traveling in a tent. This earthly tent will never be home. Until we are absent from the body. And present with the Lord. That's what we should be striving for. So what do we do? What's the application to us? What does any of this have to do about being present in the body, absent in the body, present with the Lord, an earthly tent, an eternal house? What does any of this have to do with us? But Paul tells us, if you're not there, go back to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 9. He tells us, after he makes the comparison, he talks about these two things. He says one of those words, therefore. What's that there for? Therefore, for that reason, we make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him. Well-pleasing to him wherever we are. Because in verse 9, Paul says, whether present or absent in the body or in the Lord, we make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him. This is our task. This is our goal. To try to set aside the tent, the struggles, the life is hard, and all of the things. And to be well-pleasing to Him. Friends, this morning, the suffering and trouble of this world cannot compare to our eternal home. It cannot compare to that eternal home that is waiting for us if, if we are pleasing to Him. Listen again to the words of Paul. If you're there, look in chapter 4 again in verse number 17. I like the English Standard Version in this particular verse. He says, for this light momentary affliction. Wait a minute, life is hard. 
Paul says it's a light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory in the English Standard Version beyond all comparison. Beyond all comparison. I don't know if there's mansions in heaven. I don't know if it's going to be a mansion like we think. I know that's the description that's given because that's all we can compare it to. If we think about what we like and where we would want to live, we think about a mansion. So that language is there. I don't know if it's exactly a mansion or not, but I will tell you this. It will be beyond compare. The eternal home that is waiting for us if we are pleasing to him. No more tears. No more sorrow. No more death. No more life is hard. No more of the things we face on this earth will be a trouble or a problem for us anymore because of that eternal home. The tent can't compare to the mansion. The suffering can't compare to the splendor. The temporary cannot compare to the eternal if we are pleasing to him. Home sweet home. To be present with the Lord for all eternity. The thing for us to think about this morning, though, is there's only one way to get there. We've been given the map. We've been given the instructions. There's only one way to shed this earthly tent and to get to that eternal home. And that is through obedience to the word of God. A song has been selected here that in just a moment we will be singing to encourage all of us to consider getting rid of something that is temporary, something that is painful and sorrowful and reaching for that that is eternal that is beyond compare if we are pleasing to him we first become pleasing to him by becoming gospel obedient obeying his simple plan of salvation which culminates in being baptized for the remission of our sins but not just that the lord adds us to his church that's where the saved people are in the church not because i can vote you in or i can put you there but because the lord adds you to his church and there you can begin to live faithfully. You can begin to be pleasing to him day in and day out, trying to set aside the tent and reaching towards the eternal. But it's hard because life still continues to be hard. And we're thankful that God extends to us a second law of pardon, that we can repent of our sin after we become a Christian. When we mess up, we can repent of our sin and pray for forgiveness. And God is faithful to do just that. That we can again walk in the light as he is in the light. That's being well-pleasing to him day in and day out. That's setting aside the temporary and reaching for the eternal. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to become a Christian. A child of God added to the church by obeying this simple plan of salvation. If you would like to know more about that, we would gladly study with you even this day. Making time to understand what this great decision is. What it means and how wonderful and beautiful it can be. Maybe you're here, you need to come back to him. You've, you've laid hold of that eternal thinking about that, but you kind of cast it aside thinking about the things that are temporary, thinking about how hard life can be. Maybe you need to come back to him. Maybe you need the prayers of this congregation. We assemble together to worship him and to encourage one another, to pray for one another as we face this troublesome life. The good news is we don't have to do it alone, not only with God on our side, but with each other. We can continue to be lifted up, thinking and having our eyes set on that eternal home in heaven. If there's any way we can assist you this morning, come forward now as we stand.